Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. All right, Penn State fans, what a podcast we have in store for you. It's the Blue White Breakdown with special guest Doug Lamarice, Cleveland.com. Doug is, I would say, the most accomplished podcaster in all of the land. He does Buckeye Talk, Ohio State. He does the College Football Survivor Show. He told me not to say this. He actually has a Cincinnati Bengals podcast. I mean, the guy, the guy is versatile. He's also popular in the Big Ten these days. Dave Jones, Bob Flounders, Doug Lamarice. We're going to talk about Penn State, Ohio State. But first, Doug, welcome aboard. Always great to be with my favorite sports writers and the men who made me the journalist I am today. That is pretty much true, isn't it, Bob? No, it's, I, I wouldn't be here without you guys. It, it is true. Uh, he, uh, he was with uh, the Harrisburg Patriot News as an intern. He's from Palmyra. Pennsylvania in the mid 90s. We were just talking about it before we started the podcast, but I think you guys know that. But Doug, it's a noon kick. It is a noon kick for this game. Traffic should be amazing. I know we're all excited about that, but let's talk about the game. What strikes you about this year's edition of Penn State, Ohio State? Yeah, I mean, I do think the fact that it's noon, I think it's it, you owe that to Notre Dame being on the Ohio State schedule, right? That Fox had the first pick and they took Ohio State, Michigan, like they always do. And then normally I think ABC, ESPN, the second best game, they want Penn State, Ohio State, but instead they took Ohio State, Notre Dame this year, which leaves Fox to take this game and put it in the noon slot. So I think that matters. I think that matters for Ohio State. We, we've seen what those night games and those whiteouts are like. And, you know, I think from an Ohio State perspective, it it can be easy to look at the Michigan Penn State game and think like, okay, well, I don't know. But, you know, the Ohio State Ryan Day and the people at Ohio State are saying like, that is not what this is going to be. That is not this animal that yes, it's at noon, but Ohio State usually has trouble in Beaver Stadium. Like this is, you know, it doesn't mean they lose, but they get tested. They get tested in a real way. So, it's hard to get a handle on Ohio State right now. There's a lot of vibe of like they just beat Iowa 54 to 10. And it's like, eh, I don't know. How good was that? And then you're like, well, I scored 54. I don't know. That seems pretty good. But um, I think this Penn State defense, people are curious to see how Ohio State handles it. And then the fact that Iowa had a good defense and a putrid offense, Penn State has a far more competent offense. So then what does that mean? If Ohio State's not taking over on short fields, not facing, not forcing three and outs constantly, I think a lot of Ohio State people are very curious about this game because they know Penn State has played Ohio State tough. Doug, I wasn't aware of the fact that you thought Iowa's offense was putrid until just now. 
Doug, I have some questions. But first of all, first of all, I'd like to ask you about Sandlot Baseball <laughs> back in 94. You didn't really seem to give uh, – you never got out to Elliottsburg, as I remember, and covering some of the teams that need to be covered out there. Doug, Doug was our Sandlot Baseball reporter and i'm i am changing the subject because i want to know exactly how you felt about that i was big in loisville <laughs> again i i learned a lot I, I i covered a ton of sandlot baseball and uh it was during the major league baseball strike and i remember i went to a senator's game and ryan klecko from the braves was like at the game to see his friend who was playing for the Senators, and I got to talk to Ryan Klecko, and I was like, my God, what a life this is. You just go around and talk to Ryan Klecko. How does it get better than this? All right. All right. We won't glaze anyone's eyes over any more than that. And, but, but you – you, well, I had to get to that. Sorry, slacker. I had to. You have seen uh, in your time in Cleveland three – we're not even going to count the 2020 game because it was COVID and there's no fans, but, but the three previous – Games with Ohio State in there, 24, during during the Franklin area, 2014, 2016, 2018. Ohio State, big favorites in every one of those. Uh, they were double-digit favorites in the first two. Do you know they were 19-point favorites in 2016, the game they lost? That is a record. That is a record for Penn State as far back as I can go with my my Vegas guys, Tony Sinisi, and my Phil Steeles, I went back to 1990. That is the biggest spread, home dog spread in Penn State history. Um, so do you think Ohio State teams have been a little spooked by the whiteout that they will not be in a noon, in a noon kick? I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's still going to be loud. Right. So, I, I again, it, you can't match the whiteout, but I do think and, and this, you know, it changed a little bit because Michigan beat Ohio State last year. But it always had been to me that Penn State was never afraid of Ohio State, like in the Franklin era. You know, they couldn't get over the top a lot of the times, but they never played scared in a way that Michigan would often against Ohio State sort of have like an attitude or play well, and then get blown off the field by Ohio State. And, and that Penn State just approached it better. And so I think that remains real. Now, Michigan sorely, I think, is getting more grounded, and that'll be a good game this year when Michigan comes to Columbus. But I just do believe that about Penn State, that like whatever they do, they're not, af they're not afraid to get after these guys. And you, when you watch Ohio State, I always say Ohio State is actually kind of boring to cover sometimes, boring good. Yes, they're very good. But again, it's like, what do you do with an Iowa game? when they win 54 to 10 and you're trying to figure out whether they played well or not. Like that's a constant thing with Ohio state because people come in and shrink people teams shrink against Ohio. It's state. almost like Mike Tyson, old Mike Tyson fights, isn't it? I mean, they've lost before the, the fights. Yeah. You, it's, it's so psychological. Teams are afraid to take risks. They try to like, they turtle up and it's like, well, then you're dead. And Penn state has not been that way. Penn State will come out and throw punches because I think, you know, you can believe in your defense and there's always enough playmakers at Penn State. And again, you go through the Big Ten. You guys know this. Penn State fans know this. You go through the Big Ten and it's like, who scares you on that offense? Nobody. Penn State always has somebody from Chris Godwin to Saquon Barkley to Mike Gusecki. There's always somebody. And so now you look at Penn State again and it's like, OK, we know what Ohio State can do offensively, but I don't know. 
I mean, I like Parker Washington. I like Tinsley. I like Nick Singleton. You know, I mean, like, again, is it Ohio State skill talent? No. But if Ohio, if Penn State comes out swinging, they're not scared, and they've got a couple dudes and a lot of Saturdays when Ohio State plays the opponent. That is not the case. No, no. I think Bob and I agree on this, and I'll let you, I'll let you ask the next one, Bob. But I, I need to know this from you. Um, there have been switches along scrimmage with Ohio State. Um, I don't think they thought, I don't think Ryan Day thought they were physical enough at scrimmage on either side of the ball, but especially on defense. And that's why Jim Knowles came in. But he's also a little bit of a risk taker. He will, he will throw guys at gaps and he will pressure as he sees fit with those, those athletes. Do you think Ohio State is better at scrimmage on both sides of the ball this year? Because I think I think Penn State really has to stand and deliver on the defensive front. And that's always something they've been able to do against Ohio State. Even last year, I mean, the first inkling I got that they might be vulnerable against Michigan was in the Penn State game, where until Henderson got, got free late in the second half for the big 55-yarder, they were pretty much stoning Ohio State's run game. Yeah, offensive line is is pretty good. It's pretty talented. Two real tackles, two NFL tackles. Paris Johnson Jr. playing his first year at left tackle. Five-star guy, might be a, probably a first-round pick. Um, last year, it wound up that Ohio State ran the ball pretty well a, a chunk of the year. Couldn't run it against Michigan when they needed to, but they really got burned in the end because like they couldn't block David Ajabo and Aiden Hutchinson, and they had pass block issues. I think these guys are really good pass blockers, but they did think against Iowa last week that, they didn't run the ball as well. I mean, they didn't. They, they didn't run the ball at all against Iowa, and they said they didn't like sustain blocks and, and that kind of thing. And again, I, it was the best defense they faced. And so if they face a physical defensive line, I don't know that there's problems for Ohio State. It's not that. But I think you wonder a little bit, right? I think you wonder a little bit. But the offensive line should be pretty good. And then defensively, they're much improved. You know, just Jim Knowles, the $2 million a year defensive coordinator has changed a lot of things. So like they are, they all, the whole off season was a toughness conversation, almost to the, like ad nauseum. Like we get it, I get it. And, and I still say like toughness is great. I, I like it when they chuck it around because they do that better than anybody in the country. So they are not going to three yards and a cloud of dust their way to the national title. They're going to throw their way to a national title. So that's still what they do best. So, you know, they beat Notre Dame running the ball and putting that game away. And I think people got out over their skis a little bit of like, yeah, that's old. It's like, listen, man, it's not Woody Hayes. You got to chuck it around. And they still, and and so Iowa, they couldn't run it against Iowa. And it was like, I don't know, did it matter? Then they threw a 79 yard touchdown pass to Julian Fleming. Then they went like 20 yards, 20 yards, 20 yards to a Mecca Buka and Marvin Harrison Jr. And it's like, okay, well, great. Iowa stopped the run. Who cares? You can't stop our pass game for four quarters. They did for two and a half. So, I think the physical conversation, you have to be a threat. You have to be tough enough in the right moments. But the bottom line is they're still going to try to wear people down and say, maybe you maybe you slow us down in the passing game for a little bit, but you can't stop us for 60 minutes. Bob Flounders, Dave Jones, joined by Doug Lamarise of Cleveland.com. I think all of this analysis is spot on and it's great. But for me, it's one thing and one thing only in every game except for the 2016 game. The team with the better quarterback has won this game. And I, I don't think you can argue that. And I think that's that is the case. I think that's that's gonna be the case uh on Saturday. You know, uh 2016's game was really won by Penn State's defense and special teams. They rallied from 21-7 down. But when I look at the history of James Franklin against Ohio State, they have been competitive, but they just have not been able to score enough points. I mean, that, that's really been an issue. Even the year when it was 39-38 in Columbus, Barkley scored a kick return. To open the game, 
So Penn State barely creeped above 30. My question is, I just think, can Penn State score enough on an improved Ohio defense, Ohio State defense, to actually threaten the upset? Doug, before you answer this, I've got an impersonation. Who is this, Bob? Sean Clifford, Big Ten (laughs) Offensive Player of the Week. (laughs) Well, Bob knows who it is. Doug doesn't know who it is. Tell him, Bob. Yeah, he's got a pretty, he's a pretty, he's pretty good at James Franklin because he's got a very distinct way of, of saying some words and his mannerisms. The use of the word obviously and the phrase I get it uh, comes up a lot. And Davis bounced on that. He was gloating over Clifford being offensive player of the week because he's gotten so much criticism over not playing Drew Aller uh, pretty much at all in quality minutes. So he was gloating about that, about the Minnesota huh. game. Yeah. No, and I know, you know, we've we've had this conversation before and every Penn State fan knows it and is, you know, Penn State had Justin Fields for half a minute. And if you keep him, <laughs> how much does that change? And if you keep Will Levis in the program, how much does that change everything? But yes, I do think and, and, and that's the next step for for the Big Ten, that the Big Ten for a while, I think there was a coaching deficit in the Big Ten, right? Brett Bielema leaves to go to Arkansas, however long it was ago, because they wouldn't pay his assistance, and then you get the Big Ten network money. Certainly certainly made the Big Ten coaching contingent lighter when Bielema left. Oh. Oh, wait till wait till Illinois makes the Big Ten championship game this year, and Brett Bielema in his glory is oh, going to be S. St. Elmo. Elmo's after the game before the game. <laughs> Brett Bielema belongs in the Big Ten. I'm so happy he's back. But like they they raise the level of coaching. But like you look, for instance, like at the ACC this year. Before the season, you could go through and be like, man, there's like eight or nine dudes at quarterback in the ACC, right? Sam Hartman and Devin Leary and Phil Dracovic and it, it, it's multiple dudes. Uh, Drake May at North Carolina, and like where's that in the Big Ten? Well, Spencer Petrus. I mean. <laughs> I can't. I'm not allowed. I've actually, uh, my lawyers have told me not to talk about Iowa anymore. So that's the next step for the Big Ten. It's like if it, ha- if it can happen in the ACC, why can't it happen in the Big Ten? So, like, from our perspective, we know Penn, like, all he, he's from Ohio, he's from Northeast Ohio, he's from the Cleveland area. Ohio State took a look at him late, but they had Quinn Ewers, and it was like, you know, the Drew Aller thing is like, we can like we cannot wait for Drew Aller to be the Penn State quarterback. We're already talking about next year when Penn State comes to Columbus, the idea of when has an Ohio quarterback come back to Ohio Stadium trying to beat the Buckeyes. Like Sean Clifford. Yeah, well, I know. No offense to Sean Clifford. <laughs> like like the last one? <laughs> <laughs> Did you not notice that, Doug, or what? I know. <laughs> he's I from know. Cincinnati. Well, no, I know, but it's not the same thing. Well, first of all, he's from Cincinnati. Drew Galler is more from Cleveland, so we care about that guy more. <laughs> but come on, man. Come on. It's like we get See, Bob, did you hear that? This is the way This is the way people in every other part of Ohio regard Cincinnati. This is, I, I wrote about this last year when, when UC went to the college football playoff. Cincinnati is not regarded as part of Ohio. It's Kentucky. It is. It's Kentucky. <laughs> It really has nothing to do with the rest of Ohio. The rest of Ohio, they're Ohio State fans. Toledo, you could probably rationalize half Michigan fans. But Cleveland's almost twice as far away from Columbus as Cincinnati. And yet everybody in Cleveland's an Ohio State fan. LeBron James, everybody. Cincinnati is not part of Ohio, and that's evidence right there. He didn't even think John Clifford was from Ohio. 
Is that well read on penlive.com why Cincinnati is not part of Ohio? It's really Kentucky by Dave Jones. Well, well, Doherty, Paul Doherty called me up and he like re-ran it. So we got the clicks anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that th- that idea, right? And then you guys, that like you get a quarterback and all of a sudden you can get over the top. I mean, I think J.J. McCarthy, the he's a little wild, but he adds an element of of dynamic play that they didn't even have last year with Cade McMahon at Michigan, and that makes I think for Ohio State it makes the Michigan game a little scarier, right? So that's where what when Ohio State that's the thing like when Ohio State played Iowa, I, I think this was fifty four was the most Kirk Ferentz ever got ever got gave up in his life at Iowa. Iowa had not played Ohio State since twenty seventeen. They'd never seen this version of Ohio State. The the Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, CJ Stroud, chuck it around version. Cause even like 2016, that's a great Penn State win. That's JT Barrett running the ball 20 times, like Tim Tebow Jr., right? That's not what this version of Ohio State is. So Ohio State, with the way they throw it, I think it's changed the game a little bit of like, if you're gonna try to hang with Ohio State, you can try to stop them, but your better bet is probably to just slow them down and then try to outscore them in your own way. And if you're gonna do that, I think you have to have a great quarterback. And how many teams in this league have that? Not a ton, but maybe Drew Aller for the next couple seasons maybe will give Penn State a chance like this, Bob, whereas you try to wrap your head around it now. Well, I don't know. What do you give Ohio State at least? 35, 38 at least? Maybe? I don't think that's unfair. And then what's the path for Penn State scoring 38 on an improved Ohio State defense? It's tough. See, this is Slacker, I got to ask you this now. See, in, in regards to Bob's assessment, which I think is as uh, certain – readers would say it's spot on bob that's spot on and uh, obvious yeah obviously <laughs> uh, <laughs> ohio state quarterbacks have had such luxury in this era you're talking about dwayne haskins barely got touched justin fields barely got touched and now cj stroud is barely getting touched they throw the ball in an easy chair back there and there is, by and large, no pressure on them. So I thought it was very interesting at the beginning of the Iowa game where Joe Evans came careening up the middle on, on that stunt and hit C.J. Stroud in the mouth. The ball came loose, and you're going, hmm. You know, I think the only way to beat Ohio State, you're not going to beat them on the edges. You're not going to beat them out in the field because they're always going to have superior athletes. Penn State can hang with them in the secondary because it's the best secondary I've ever seen there. But but you're so you're still not going to win that game with athletes. You have to punch them in the mouth. Don't you think Penn State, one way or another, has to get to Stroud and hit him or they have no chance? That's my assessment. And it's a big conversation around Ohio State of like how much should C.J. Stroud run or be a threat to run or that he's moved the pocket more. Zero. I always yeah. say when he's behind the line of scrimmage, of da- he's dangerous. As soon as he passes the line of scrimmage, he's not dangerous. So I don't care if C.J. Stroud runs. Yeah, I mean, he's just not he's just not that kind of athlete, but he is that kind of thrower and that kind of diagnoser. I do think it's dangerous. I don't think you can blitz him a ton because I think he'll find the hot guy and get it out and then they're off to the races. But if you can get four-man pressure, Right. And and that was right. That's a great stunt. It's a little game that the the tackle gave a signal to the end, said loop behind me. It's a it's a first year starter at left guard that kind of got sucked outside. Here's an open lane. Boom. It's seven points as a defensive touchdown. You know, you got a corner who can maybe hang like Joey Porter Jr. in the secondary. Riley Moss, Iowa basically put him on one outside receiver and said, take care of that and we'll clog up everything else on the other side. If you have a corner like that and you can get a little four-man pressure, 
you have a chance to make it clunky, right? And they were clunky early. I think that's the pathway. No, you're right. In 16, uh, Penn State sacked Barrett six times. And really, guys, Kevin Givens, Garrett Sickles had the games. Not not Givens, but Garrett Sickles had the best 30 minutes of his life at Penn State. But, you know, Penn State, for all their improved defense this year, it's, I, you know, Franklin talked about it on Tuesday. They still only have 15 sacks. Um, they do. Manny Diaz will uh, <clears throat> bring some exotic packages. But I just wonder... Penn State's best pure pass rusher is Chop Robinson. He didn't play last week. Um, I don't know if he's going to play Saturday, but if Adisa Isaac and Chop Robinson are, get stoned by Ohio State's offensive tackles, like what are we talking about with a four-man pressure? And it's got to be four, don't you think? Because four, maybe five, maybe five. Stroud is Stroud is really good, like Doug said, at at, at dissecting exactly where everything's coming from, and boop. It, the ball's out because he knows he gets the ball out to the hot guy. It is trouble. It's big trouble. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Doug, could we ask you a little bit about – so James Franklin was reading off like the Ohio State receivers and who's off to a good year. We know uh, Jackson Smith in – what is it? Jackson Smith in Jigba, right, yes. uh, is, is hurt, and he's definitely not 100%. But he would not – he would not mention the name Julian Fleming. He didn't really? He no, didn't he, mention he, Julian Fleming. I know we got some other guys that are having pretty good years too. <laughs> but uh, can you just talk a little bit about – his transformation uh, this year, you before the before the season started, you and I talked on a podcast, and you thought that maybe this could be his year, and he was definitely had the had the skill set to be a fearsome, feared Ohio State receiver, and he's he's taken the opportunity and run with it. Can you just talk a little bit about because Penn State fans are probably going to want to uh, boo him on Saturday, but what he's been able to do this year? Yeah, so it's they kind of had four guys for three spots coming in as you try to diagnose it, right? Jackson Smith and Jigba set the Big Ten receiving record last year. You figured he'd be in the slot. Marvin Harrison Jr. from Philly, son of the Hall of Famer. He'd be in a spot outside. And then Emeka Egbuka is a second-year guy, was the number one receiver recruit in his class. And Julian Fleming, third-year guy, was the number one receiver recruit in his class. So we didn't know how that would shake out. And then Julian Fleming was hurt again early. So he's battled injuries his whole career. He missed the first couple games. And Emeka Egbuka kind of took that other outside spot and ran with it. He's in the top 10 in receiving yards per game in the nation. Egbuka is. He's played really well. But Smith and Jigba being out, that Egbuka slides back in the slot then, and then Fleming goes back outside, and he scored a bunch of touchdowns, I think maybe six touchdowns this year. Harrison's like a big, tall, go-up-and-get-it receiver. Fleming's more physical. They like It's almost like a, just like a big, physical, can-body corners kind of guy, a little bit different than any other receiver they have. And they hit him for a 79-yard deep ball last, year where they ha- last week where they had Harrison and Egbuka on the left side, 
and Iowa had three defensive backs on them because they knew they had to help on that. And then they put Fleming on the right by himself. The safety got hung up a little bit on some play action stuff, and it winds up Fleming versus their second or third best corner, and it's toast. And it's a 79-yard deep ball, and it kind of starts the ball rolling downhill. So he's not their best guy. He's probably their fourth best guy. I mean, he is. He's their fourth best guy when Jackson Smith and Jigba is healthy. So we're talking about we're talking about Fleming maybe against uh, uh, you know uh, I, I suppose Kalen King or uh, it, it just depends. Hardy is going to play. <clears throat> Hardy will play the slot, uh, but that's a dangerous matchup because of the size of Ohio State's wideouts. If they have a big receiver in the slot, Hardy's in trouble. But King is King is is fearless on one side. I think you're. I think Doug is right. They're going to do what Iowa did, and they're going to. The wide side of the field is probably going to be Joey Porter's going to stay there and get get very little help, and they're going to take their chances and help everywhere else. And I think that is what Penn State's going to have to live with that if they want to try and slow uh, Ohio State down. It's a it's a great matchup. It could blow up in their faces, but if it works out, um, I think Penn State's going to hang around in this game for sure. And that's a great matchup. Marvin Harrison Jr., Joey Porter Jr., the NFL bloodlines. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that because that's the thing. When you diagnose anybody, and we've been doing that a lot, you know, you're looking ahead. You're going through Bama and Tennessee and Georgia and Clemson and everybody's secondary and saying, who has guys that can hang to try to slow them down? And there's a lot of good teams with kind of bad pass defenses this year. Tennessee's pass defense is like 110th in the nation. And if you if you if you can't cover Ohio State, I'm not sure what you're going to do. But then that's what we've looked at Penn State all year and thought, okay. And Dave, for you to say this is as good of a Penn State secondary as you've seen is a really big deal. That's where you have to start. If you said, okay, we're going to try to be Ohio State, where do you start? Well, it'd be great to have an All American quarterback, but otherwise, give me a great secondary and take your chances. And that's why this game's interesting. And what would you do if you're Ryan Day as far as a game plan in this game? Um, my own opinion is I think they have the advantage in running the ball. I would just do it. Start out. Of course, you're going to use your weapons if you're Ohio State because you got them all over the field. But I would not throw, throw, throw and try to play, play with your shiny toys if I'm Ryan Day. I would run the ball with Mayan Williams. Uh, what's Henderson's physical uh, uh, uh what is his status from a physical standpoint, you think? Yeah, I mean, they've both been a little bit banged up, but it feels like they should both be okay for this one. You know, they've played games without Mayan Williams. They've played games without Travion Henderson. They've played games with both. They had them both last week, and it didn't really work. So it's always one of those things. They didn't run it last week. So what does that mean? Does that mean they'll try to run it more to reestablish it this week, or does it mean they'll not try that hard and just try to throw it? I, I don't know what they'll do. It's been an ongoing conversation. Ohio State's talked a lot about the idea of like, hey, we put up these great passing numbers last year, but what did it get us? We lost two games and didn't make the playoff and didn't make the Big Ten championship game. So they've really been kind of like, hey, we don't want to be a chuck it around team. And I'm like, why not? You're good at it. So I still think like to me, it's like, do they have to run the ball to win the national championship? I kind of think no. Like last year, you felt like they had to. They got stopped on a third and two in the second half against Michigan. But their defense, it was their defense wasn't very good. And C.J. Stroud was a first year quarterback. I think their defense is vastly improved. CJ's a veteran guy now. They still have great receivers. And so if you don't run it, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know. Does it, does it mean they can't win? They ran it terrible last week and they won by 44. So I, I, I don't know. It's tough, but I'm fascinated, Dave, to see what they do because Ryan Day and then Kevin Wilson, the offensive coordinator, they've really wanted to be more balanced. And in their best games, they have been. 
But if Mayan Williams and Trevion Henderson rip off a bunch of two-yard runs, Emekek Buka is right there. <laughs> He's right there. How about a crossing route, man? Seems like that might work, even against a great secondary. Now, I, would, I wouldn't be preoccupied with the running game, but I'd certainly mix it in. That's all I'm saying, because I think it's a vulnerability. And what about like Cade Stover at the tight ends? What, are, what have their tight ends been like? We thought it was the number one issue for them in the offseason. Cade Stover was like kind of a linebacker, kind of a tight end. And then they switched him back to tight end full time in the spring. And it was like, OK. And now people in Ohio call him Farmer Gronk. So like <laughs> they are in on this guy. He is, he's a proud farm guy from Ohio, and he is physical as all get out. He's a linebacker playing tight end. So you knew he could block, but it was like, all right, well, he's a linebacker playing tight end. He's shown hands, man. He worked on his hands all offseason. He's been a real threat. Um, it's always, Ohio State never throws to the tight end. In certain games, especially early, he was a threat for them. See, I, I think I think he could be a sneaky threat in this game because it could be a vulnerability for Penn State. He's a real he's he's a guy you can throw to for sure. Doug and Dave, as as good as this secondary has been, I will I'm going to caution both of you. The only time Penn State saw a legit passing game, Aiden O'Connell took him to the woodshed for long stretches of that game. Had they had, had a running game uh, late in that game, Penn State would have won, and he he. He had success. Uh, the Iowa transfer, that Jones kid went off. I I think, you, I think, Doug, you're right. It would be foolish of Ryan Day to not to play to his strength until Penn State shows it can stop it. And it's the, it's the thing, it is the hardest thing to figure out in the Big Ten. And especially like in the Big Ten West, it's like, hey, let me do a search of the 10 best defenses in college football. And you think, wow, six of them are in the Big Ten West? What great defensive football they must play. And it's like, no, the quarterbacks stink. So it's always hard to get a handle on what's real and what's not. And like, I didn't have a ton of respect for Iowa's defense before last week. And then you get Riley Moss and Jack Campbell and Phil Parker scheming it up. And it's like, you know what? These guys are actually pretty good. You know, they were, they were hanging in there. That thing was, what was it, 24 to seven like at one 26 point. 10 like at halftime yeah. and it was like man this is kind of like a game and ohio state's not pulling away <laughs> if they had any offense at all they, they're in that game and and friends i know in columbus yeah because my uh, my tendency is to be somewhat dismissive of big 10 defenses against something like the ohio state passing game because it's like okay i get it you can stop tanner morgan but what are we talking about but then Iowa's pretty good. So then like Penn State's defense, I, I know what you're saying, Bob, but there's a part of me that's like, okay, well, I don't know. But like Dave's talking about the secondary this way. We know that, you know, they always have a couple good linebackers and I, Manny Diaz seems like a good coordinator. I don't know. Like maybe this won't be so easy. They haven't seen a good quarterback since the first week of the season. I mean, McCarthy's good, but they wanted to run the ball and they did. Right, right. And so Ohio State wants to throw it in again because of, Michigan beating Ohio State last year. Ohio State fans are very interested in Michigan. You try to do a lot of comparisons. How did Michigan do against Iowa compared to Ohio State did against Iowa? Look at what Michigan did to Penn State. But they're so different in how they want to go about it. It's almost worthless. Michigan wants to run you over. People were asking this week, hey, Michigan ran over Penn State. You know, do you guys want to do that? And I was like, no, throw. What are we doing? Why? They have Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. Like that's, and they don't have Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka. So Ohio State has to throw to win. They have to throw to win. 
But I'll be curious to see, as Dave said, it's how much they mix in the run. Are they a threat of a run? Do they establish it early? And then all of a sudden, the defense doesn't know where it's coming or going. All right, Doug. Nationally, this game, and and I think you, you're you accurate in saying that Ohio State fans do respect Penn State because they've always played them tough, and they, they're not afraid of them. If they can get through this, I mean, it's a walk in the park to Michigan, is it not? We're talking about a three-game season, and we're not including the Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis because that's going to be a walkover. Be Come on. Did you <laughs> did you see the scenario where it could be a seven way tie at four and five with Northwestern <laughs> yeah. winning? Were Northwestern going to Indianapolis at four and eight? Did you see this? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Fox would be thrilled. Gus and Joel <laughs> would have a great time. We're here but, for the. But we're talking about a three game season if they get through this yeah. game with with Michigan and the college football semifinal and the final, aren't we? I have never, I've covered Ohio State since 2005, and I've never covered this because previous to last season, I'd only covered one Ohio State loss to Michigan, and it was the weird 2011 season, and they hired Urban Meyer three days after that loss, and it's like it got wiped away. So the idea that this is an Ohio State team that for 365 days has to stew in that loss, it just sort of changes everything because with Ohio State and the way they had dominated that rival, you could make a lot of assumptions, and we, you know, when we talk about it on Buckeye Talk, we had reached the point of like, well, you know, is Clemson a bigger rival for Ohio State because they've played in the playoff and Michigan can't hang with them? And that reality came back home. Michigan's good. And Michigan is good. Nobody disputes that. Now, are they as talented as Ohio State? No. But they're good and they do it a certain way. And Ohio State should be better able to handle that this year, but you don't know for sure, right? That's a pretty That, that team has an identity now and it's real. And again, they have a great corner in DJ Turner, and then can they get four man pressure? And here we go, we're having the same conversation. So, and then they've got they got Morris now running off the edge. They're they're a problem defensively. I I honestly think because of their style and their their defense getting a lot better very quickly, and their offensive line is incredible. They've got the best shot of anyone in the country to beat Ohio State, and I'm talking about. Tennessee, as you said, their secondary isn't very good. I don't think they can hang with Ohio State's wideouts. Georgia's got quarterback problems. Alabama is is mistake-prone. All of those programs are down. Uh, Clemson's got horrible quarterback problems. I don't think there's anyone nationally as a rarity really out there for this team except Michigan. And, And I've said I think Ohio State is the best team in the country. I think on a national level, Ohio State has a much better chance to compete nationally than Michigan does. But I also think Michigan's good and Michigan could beat Ohio State. Not 50% of the time, not expected to. But if you don't respect Michigan for what they do and how they go about it, you would be in trouble. And listen, Ohio State respects it. My, God. But they've never been. And, and people have pointed this out. Ohio State's pretty good at revenge. They don't get to do a lot of it because they don't lose that often. But they lost to Clemson in that playoff semifinal in 2019 and thought about it all year and got Clemson in the playoff next the next year and took their doors off. Everyone's assuming they get Michigan in the shoe and it's over. Let me tell you, it is not over. It's not over with that Michigan team. I just think it's going it, to – the other thing is Michigan, I think, has the, the correct template to beat Ohio State. Because they will try to play bully ball, and if they can do it against Jim Knowles' defense, boy, look out. Because I think they've got a chance to do that. You don't want to play in a shoebox, but I think they can they can play complementary football with their offense, give their defense a break, which everyone needs against Ohio State. 
I think they've got the best lineup and the best template to beat Ohio State. I think you got to punch them in the mouth because you're never going to beat them with athletes. Uh, not this year. You're not going to do it. And then McCarthy plays a little goofy, right? But I think it's goofy good for a matchup with with a team like Ohio State that like he's going to stand back there. He might hold the ball for 12 seconds. He might fumble it or he might rip a, an 18-yard completion out of nowhere. And if you're trying – so punch Ohio State in the mouth with a run game and then – broken play Ohio State's defense did everything right and you still complete a 20-yard pass like that's the formula so you know I do think Ohio State with their improved defense and what they always do in the pass game I think they're the best team in the country but Michigan's for real and as good as Ohio State's defense have has played and they were great against Iowa last week they also haven't faced great offenses, right? I mean, it's like they did, they shut down Michael Mayer, the Notre Dame tight end, but Notre Dame wasn't really ready for that as it turned out. And they handled Braylon Allen, the Wisconsin running back, but Wisconsin was about to fire its coach. And like Michigan State looked terrible. And so you thought Ohio State's schedule looked pretty good in the preseason. You know, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Michigan State in the first half of the year. And it's kind of like, well, none of those three teams are what you thought they would be. So their defense has played very well. But I do think ultimately, even like against Penn State, they'll probably get more of a test with some of the skill guys than they have against anybody else. All right, fellas, let's get to, uh, if, if it's all right with you guys, you don't have to, if you don't want to Doug, but uh, we were going to do a little, uh, maybe a, a key matchup and then maybe, maybe a pick. I know, I know what I picked already. If you want to do it, Doug, you can. Dave, are you ready to forecast the uh, outcome Saturday? Are you still uh, mulling it? No, <laughs> I'm, I'm I've been concentrating on Bryce Harper today. No, I, I I'll I'll throw something out there. the The line is fifteen and a fifteen and a half. Yes, fifteen and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I would pick right on that. I think I think Penn State's secondary, if they can be entered into the game by Penn State's front, this could be a, an interesting game. But I just don't know that Penn State's front can stand up to these guys. I'll say uh, Ohio State 38, Penn State 21. Yeah, that's that's right in the range I'm in. And and the highlight of my journalistic year is making my pick <laughs> at Penn Live <laughs> and in the Harrisburg Patriot News. If you guys ever stop asking me to do it, Forget I it. will know that I'm done. Okay. That will be my signal. The world has passed me by. They get somebody other than the Palmyra kid to make this pick. What if we just don't even use your name and just call you slacker right under there, okay? <laughs> you like that better? And use a, use a photo of when I'm 20 from 1994. <laughs> your, um, your, your photo ID. We still have yeah. it on file, you know. <laughs> so, so you guys always make me make that pick. So I made that pick. It's in. So I'll, I'll divulge it here. It's right where Dave is. Yeah. Um, and it's just... Bad news it, for you, it, Doug. It's so hard with Ohio State because... The bottom line is you can do a lot right against them for a long time, and then there's a 79-yard touchdown pass. And it's like, well, you can't count on that, but it's like, can you kind of count on that when they have the weapons they have and what they do? So I have 41-24, which is like, I think, like maybe a game, like into the start of the fourth quarter, and then all of a sudden it goes from, you know, 27-24 to 41-24 in like six minutes. And it's like, okay, well, that was a good game, and then that happened. So that, that's that's what they do to people. 17-point spreads, so we both got Ohio State covering Bob. Yeah, I'll give the points, yep. Yeah, I had a, I picked 36-24, Doug. I, I, you and I are 
are pretty, we're all pretty close to what Penn State can do, right? Offensively in our minds, they, they, they could, they could have close to 400 yards, but ultimately it's going to come down to how many times can they actually, you know, get it into the end zone. So I, I they, they, they're a mid twenties team most years against Ohio State. I don't see this year being any different. Had it been at night, maybe there'll be a more of an impact from the crowd, but I just think Ohio State is that good. And the fact that their defense is, 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 you know, better structured and, you know, they're, they're more disruptive and that guy knows what he's doing um, is, is going to be a problem at, at some point for, for Penn State. I got it 36-24. So, like you said, you got to be able to score in the mid-30s at least, I think, to beat uh, to beat Ohio State. Michigan did it last year when they scored 42. The other thing Michigan did last year was uh, those two defensive ends made, made life miserable for C.J. Stroud, and I don't think Penn State could do that. No, I don't think so either. And we we didn't we we failed to mention Mike Yersich against Jim Knowles, who are yes. both coordinators under Mike Gundy in 2018 at o- Oklahoma State. So they know each other very well. So that's interesting. I totally forgot that part. That's why you're slacker, and we we're your mentors. That's why. Yeah, you, that's why you're the slacker. You know, that's I'm still learning from you guys all these years later. Doug, is there anything else <laughs> to do for you on this edition of the Blue White? Other than just make sure everyone knows that uh, Buckeye Talk is is an award-winning podcast that really everyone should check out. It's not. We actually submitted it to some kind of fake podcast awards <laughs> online last year. We didn't get squat. Always so. humble. I love it. But but I would say if people are interested and, and if you read PenLive.com, this shows up on PenLive.com once or twice a week. The College Football Survivor Show, it's a, it's a bonus episode for subscribers every Tuesday. It's a free show every Wednesday. We had Penn State in our mix of playoff contenders until they lost to Michigan because we thought, you know, you're trying to find people who have a path who could get there. So my co-host Shahan Jeharaja and I, we talk about the playoff. We talk about the maneuvering. We talk about who looks good, who has trouble. Um, it's a national college show, and uh, and Penn State's been right on the edge of that discussion. So, But if you like national college football, we'd invite you to try that. Love it. All right, guys. Thanks so much. We'll see, I'll see you guys Saturday, and uh, hopefully this game will – Uh, be very competitive going into the late stages of the fourth quarter. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Live.